Hey, you like cool stuff? You like comic books, movies, t-shirts? You should check out Shirt Crate. For just $4.99 a month, they'll send you a box full of the coolest t-shirts ever overproduced. We're talking the official promotional t-shirt of Sin City 2, a dame to kill for. This is a beautiful shirt, and you can get dozens or possibly hundreds of them every month in all sizes, except media. It's got all the great characters from Sin City 2, a dame to kill for, right on it. You got your Marv, you got Jessica Alba. It's even got August 22nd, 2014, written in a font that looks like blood. You can wear them, you can store them, it's up to you. Just go to hollywoodstorageunits.com slash shirtcrate and use the promo code GUARANTEED to sign up, and they'll throw in for absolutely free a rare misprint of the official Sin City 2 A Dame to Kill For t-shirt where the ink melted and ruined the shirt. This is a collector's item, folks. Shirt Crate. It's just this one t-shirt, and they'll never run out. Welcome, everybody, to episode eight of Guaranteed Audio, the real episode eight. Yeah. What was it? We Last episode, we said episode eight, but it was actually episode seven. It most definitely. I rolled the dice on that, and I lost. It's a cooler number. It's cringeworthy. If you watch it, because that was a video podcast, this one is not, because we don't want to get you addicted to video. But if you watch it, we very like confidently decide to go with number eight. <laughs> and we just look like fools. So if this is your first time listening to Guaranteed Audio, this is the Guaranteed Video Podcast. Uh, you can find our RSS feed, our iTunes feed, the Google Play version of the podcast over at guaranteedaudio.com, which is a great URL to have. Mm-hmm. Um, we We're still pod- surprised we got guaranteedaudio.com. And guaranteedvideo.com. That's right. We they changed our Facebook vanity URL over from New Kids on the Rock to Guaranteed Video. And there's now a New Kids on the Rock fashion line that's parked on our old Facebook page. Uh, if you Google it, I mean, if you go to the URL, which is facebook.com slash NKOTR, it'll bring you to Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But if you search New Kids on the Rock, it's now like some fashion line. I just thought of my being a, as an Eagle as an Eagle Scout and a former Boy Scout. Okay, that- we get it. <laughs> You sh- one of our little mantras is you leave a campsite better than you found it, which is supposed to be don't leave trash and nonsense and styrofoam. Yeah. But I just thought of like, isn't it nice that we left that we left <laughs> that site for new kids better than we found it? Good for them. Yeah, good for them. So uh, I don't know what's happened recently since our last episode. Uh, la- last month we screened Year Buff. of the Snake at yep at Buff the Boston Underground Film Festival, yep. which was was the twentieth anniversary. I think it so. was their twentieth year, yeah. Yeah, if if you haven't caught it, we did the like the promotional campaign for Buff this year. We got hired to do a video advertising that the Boston Underground Film Festival was coming back. Uh, we brought back Daxter Flaxter from Computer Fighters. We made a pretty awesome commercial. I was really happy with the way it came out. Uh, and yeah, we showed Year of the Snake in the comedy block, which is, kind of insulted me. I thought it was a horror film. But really? No. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we only made it because you were laughing at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Buff is all, for those of you who don't live in the greater Boston area or just don't have the means to get here, for it's a it's a fun festival. Uh, it was great for us to be there. And uh, I was going to say, it's interesting, they've always had... They're not specifically a horror film festival, but yeah. they've always had a strong horror theme between their independent shorts and mm-hmm. the comedy section. It's always been more darker, creepy, scary. They just like edgy scary stuff. St- yes, edgy stuff. they love well, well, edgy stuff. I mean, their mascot is like a weird skull rabbit thing. So. I, I don't know if we went over this um, on another podcast, but when we did our ad campaign and sent over our treatment, the script, uh, we were asked to make it a bit like 
scarier or a bit more intense. So we, you know, we made sure that someone's eyeballs got ripped out in that video. Uh, but yeah, we, we got, we were part of a two hour block of comedy movies. Um, there's, yeah, like Ryan said, there's a lot of like scary stuff, a lot of violent stuff. Uh, I recommend, I did it last year. I missed it this year, but last year I, um, music video. I went to the music video yeah. segment, which do a lot of festivals do music videos. I've been to a few, yeah. um, but yeah, the music video segment that and the animation delivers. It's yeah. Really is the, yeah. So let's get to our usual segment, Media Current. Ryan, what have you been digesting media-wise lately? Any good books, TV shows, movies, music? Well, as you know, books aren't allowed where I live. No, <laughs> uh, I saw A Quiet Place uh, about a week, week and a half ago, and I wasn't wowed by it. Mm. I, we were talking about this, for those of you who, aren't, who weren't here before we started recording, which is all of you who are listening at home, uh, I was... I recently read an article that coined a term, or at least it's the first time I've seen it coined, smart horror, like a smartphone or smart pa- or smart TV, smart horror, specifically within the vein of Get Out. And I, I loved Get Out. I've watched it at least 10 times. There are interesting things I've noticed, new things I've noticed every time I've watched it. Mm-hmm. I will always watch it start to finish. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of, because actually Kevin and I saw it for the first time, uh, when I saw it for the first time, was in the theater with Kevin together. Get out. Yeah. And I, uh, I was thinking, oh, that was brilliant. This is kind of like Cabin in the Woods. There isn't, there's really good potential for horror movies. Cabin in the Woods is all about mm-hmm. horror movies aren't dead just because there's all these cliches and all these tropes and it's Do been done new. and yeah, done. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that people can still make good ones. And as we were discussing before about online streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, yeah. the biggest section is documentaries. But another big <laughs> section is horror. And you look through bad title after oh, bad I think, title well i think, I think people are people are in love with these kind of like darling horror movies now specifically because it's so saturated with just why bother watching it content you're, you're, the sorry, horror Neil, you're saying that you think people are excited about these good horror films because there's so many bad ones is that what you're saying yeah in addition to them being good movies yeah, but oh, yeah, um yeah. but, like, but just because yeah. horror has such a rep it's kind of a novelty when it uh, rises above it in the last nowadays. like five six years we've had a lot yeah. of good ones and by the we way i would classify cabin in the woods as a smart ass horror film <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a big thing with when you look at netflix in particular i think amazon's a bit better but Netflix in particular not only has a, like just this dumpster fire section of horror movies, they're really, a lot of them are bad, not like even entertaining bad. Like the things like Terror yeah. Vision or whatever are fun and they're bad, but they're available on you know Amazon, Netflix. It really is just like, like the fourth or fifth sequel in a horror franchise and like another shark movie. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well yeah, put. Yeah. And I, I think what, that, what happened is Netflix realized that, well, people will watch bad horror movies. Like they just kind of want something fun to look at. I mean, when I was a kid and went to the video store, I wanted horror films, no matter how good or bad they were. And the thing is there for the longest time, were so few great horror movies, like actually great films, not just entertaining, like great, like, you know, things like Rosemary's Baby and Jaws or like The Exorcist or what have you, that, um, you know, why would movie distributors give away The Exorcist for free, you know, with an asterisk on Netflix when they could sell you the Blu-ray still? Because, you know, they're, they're big fish. They're, sorry, they're small fish in a huge pond of crap, right? Whereas now, yeah, I think, um, I think there's been a stronger concerted effort the last five years to make decent films that happen to be horror movies. <laughs> that being said, your opinion of... A quiet place. A quiet place. 
Well, it got hyped up a lot as yeah. being bold and ambitious and new. And I actually thought a lot about a movie that I respected for being ambitious, but was like a B, B minus at best. It follows. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's got some clever moments and some jump scares and a lot of flaws and weaknesses, but that doesn't change the fact that I respect their ambition. I respect the fact that they try to do something kind of new and hit or miss uh, they went for it. So you're talking about It Follows? It Follows, yeah, yes. Yeah. A Quiet Place isn't it being, it's not a gimmick. I don't consider it a gimmick movie, yeah. but it is weak. It yeah. is a B minus at best. Uh, there is a lot, uh, I agree with, uh, <laughs> I, Kevin, I agree with your assessment of the laughably bad uh, setup of the newspaper's Blowing in the wind of in all caps it's, bold. It's sound. Yeah. There. So there's. So the setup of it follows. It. Uh, sorry. The setup for a quiet place, Neil. And I won't spoil anything you wouldn't get from the trailer. Is literally some newspapers on a wall that say aliens invade. Mm-hmm. Like how long do we have? It's like something like a tenth grader would do. Cool. Yeah, a newspaper that plays, <laughs> it's, it's not it's, cool. It's, yeah. it's, it's the played way. serious. It's played very like no. This is smart. This is a disciplined moment. This is like this is tragic. Like all these people are dead now. Like they, it's played very dry. Uh, and it honestly, you, yeah. forgive me if you guys either haven't seen or don't remember when Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey fought dragons. I kind of like that movie. And yeah, in a Reign of Fire, yeah. in which they show newspaper like a Time magazine it's saying easy dragons. Yeah, it's really it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's or just, an exclamation point. Oh, why not? It's okay. just it's we've seen this so many times. Like, like that setup, like, I don't know, aliens. That really feels like what the writer's room decided for that. Like, I don't know, aliens. Sure, aliens uh, yeah. are, you know, killing you if you make any sound. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like, it's so magical. It's literally, if you make any noise that's louder than, like, a footstep, as you've seen in the trailers, one of these aliens just appears and gets you. It takes no discipline to write that. It's it, and like it's kind of what my issue with it is. It, the, all the writing in the movie for me personally, just I agree with Ryan. I was I wasn't impressed by it. I and thought I, it was kind I, of. Now I asked your- you earlier. Um, for I, I don't know much about the movie because I, I haven't even seen the trailer. There's not much to know. Yeah, but um, based on what you saying that it was a very simple premise that's kind of been done before. If it actually came out like in the 80s or something, would it be considered a better movie? To that, I say, would it be a better movie? No. It's, but would it be considered a better movie? Yes. Yes, I, I agree. Think I think it's really, like, it's hard because I, I understand a lot of people will look at something this reductive. And I know reductive is pejorative, but like this simple, a setup. Yeah. Like, if you make noise, an alien will get you. Right? I mean, I'm not, I'm yeah, not, I'm not, I'm not hyperbolizing. That's literally the, the, the movie for 90 minutes. <sighs> Um, <laughs> there's like a lot of repetition. There's okay. a lot of story points that are given like five minute scenes to explain. And they, it just, it doesn't think much of its audience. It thinks its audience is dumb. I, I, up, this, my yeah. reason on it, this is not, my words, not gospel, but my, my point is, I think a lot of people would look at, Oh, this is simple. That's the mark of good writing. It's like, well, there's simple. And then there's nothing like, then there's like, there's no, there's not a lot to work with. I mean, this, I, I most people I've talked to really like the movie. I, I personally think there's, the the setup for the finale I thought was it's done like four times like they explain what the finale is going to be four times there's really thick dialogue I, I guess I should stop talking because I don't want to spoil anything because you might like it but uh, I I saw uh, Annihilation 
uh, recently. Which I also saw. Yeah, so. yeah. So, but tra- Ryan's the odd man. And I, I didn't <laughs> yet, but feel free. Don't let yeah, me yeah, stop you. Yeah, we're trying to figure out a Venn diagram of things we yeah. all see. <laughs> the, um, uh, I liked Annihilation a lot. I saw it when I was in New York City uh, last month. I went out to go see uh, The Midnight, a uh, band I really like. I've mentioned them on the show before. And Annihilation, um, I saw it in a whim with my girlfriend Hillary, and uh, I was more into it than she was. Um, where did you see it, Neil? Did you go out? And uh, see it I saw it at the Somerville. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you make of it? I mean, uh, it's a It's an interesting movie. I think it gets more interesting as it goes along, for sure. Um, yeah. Just because it handles its mystery really well. Yeah. Um, I did. I went into it. This isn't really a spoiler. It's more like I just didn't watch the trailer. I didn't know anything great, about great it. Great way to watch movies. That's all I did. Too. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was just a sci-fi, but it's a horror film. Um, sci-fi horror film. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, well, we're really going this this direction but that's just the middle of the movie the ending kind of kind of becomes its own thing and i don't want to spoil it at all i think the ending's the reason that movie got made yeah i think the director was like i have this vision for something genuinely terrifying and beautiful and i'm gonna make a 90 minute movie out of it yeah the ending is there's no comparison there's at least two monsters in the movie there's more than two but there's at least two and the first one looks terrible the second one uh is amazing it's you, the setup for the scene is yeah. really wonky, but it's something that it's like up there with stuff from the first alien uh, in terms of just like quiet, scary shit. Yeah. <laughs> I cool. wish I could talk in more detail about it. Like if people who've seen the movie who are listening probably are like, just spoil it. Just talk about it. But there's, there's like a really ghoulish thing. I think you'll love Ryan in cool. the middle of it. Yeah. Um, you've probably heard about it. If you've heard anything about annihilation, it's a bear, right? It's a bear. It's a bear. Okay. And it's like really not cool. And it, and it, this ain't Paddington. All right, let's move this on. This ain't Yogi. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, yeah, Annihilation. I liked Annihilation. It's probably my favorite movie this year so far. Uh, Neil, I guess you, because I, even though we just talked about this. <laughs> what about you? got anything? Uh, you um, the last thing I really dug into was a game called Minute. It, it's spelled M-I-N-I-T. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just something I saw, like, a tweet about or something. I don't know how big of a game it is. Um, and it's a short game. It's a shorter game. It's about $10, which some people might balk at. Um, but, uh, who $10 for a video game? I mean, I assume you, how long, how long does it take to beat it? Uh, that's, it's one of those games where it depends on what you put into it. There's a lot of, there's extra stuff you can solve in the game. Um, so you could be done with it in two hours. Uh, if you, if you're not a perfectionist or if you're not a completionist, I think that's totally fine by me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I played it. It, the, the setup is, um, it's a kind of a top-down Zelda-style thing. It's not really an RPG because there's no stats you have to worry about. It's more like you go find this object and it helps you solve solve this pro- problem in another part of the map. Like, like an adventure game, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of an adventure game, but it's top-down like Zelda. Okay, so like and, Zelda presentation of like a Resident Evil kind of. Yeah, yeah, and it's more like if you get this object, then you come back to this place and you're allowed to pass. It's not like really... Get this key or get this Yeah, it's, it's kind of telegraphed yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. But the gimmick is... Um, you start off in a house and you wake up and you have 60 seconds to do whatever you want to do. And after 60 seconds, you die and you go back to that house. So oh, I've kind of Okay. Yeah. yeah so All it's right. like checkpoints. Um, there's other houses you can kind of check into. So um, it's not like you have to traverse the entire map. You kind of like can set up camp in a certain place. Um, but uh, like a big part of the mechanic of the game is basically like figuring out what you need to do going back to the starting point and then getting it done within 60 seconds. I think Devolver uh, published this. They did, yeah. I'm yeah. looking at the art. Uh, Kevin's pulled up some visuals here and th- like that. Uh, I like it. I like that. Yeah, so that's it's, the other neat thing is it's only got two colors. It's a, you know, it's a pixel art. Uh, could be a Game Boy game. game. Yeah, yeah, it's got black and it's got white and the art 
basically, you know, has to convey information using only those two colors, even like the gradients when you're in the dark uh, and you have like a lantern and some things are half in darkness. It's all done with like this cool dithering effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's like a cool puzzle game. Um, what brought to your attention? I, I just saw someone on Twitter. I think um, Jay Tholen, who works with uh, Devolver, he made um, the game Dropsy and he's working. Yeah. On a, yeah. Yeah. And he's working on a new game. Devolver publishes some really good stuff. Like yeah. They, they did so- uh, the... They're mostly Miami. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of video games, uh, right before we sat down to record this, we uh, picked up my copy of God of War uh, for PS4, and we played the first half an hour, and we're pretty, pretty. Imp- I was, I was very impressed with what I saw. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the series. Um, yeah, we actually we got to walk down the street or a local Mon Pa video games st- to our video game store. Game Zone. And uh, yeah, this thing looks great. I mean, we 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 stopped playing because we, 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 have, we have work to do, <laughs> and we could have sunk a lot of time into that. But it, yeah, it's it looks like it's going to deliver. Yeah, they, 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 it was like a five year development cycle. I'm super. It's like the polar opposite game of minute. Like 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 <laughs> yeah. five years, countless. But apparently, it's like like this year's game to beat so far. In terms well, that's kind of why I brought up like the ten dollars thing. Is that too much for a, a tiny game made by like three people? Well, I, I bet they priced it at that, knowing like, well, we'll just put it on sale for fifty percent off because there's some people who will only buy things when they're on sale. Mm-hmm. They'll never pay hundred percent MSRP. I said that right, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, they probably know like, okay, we'll just put on hey fifty percent off. Oh, I'll buy it now. Five dollars is probably more what they expect to get out of it, right? That, that that's like. I mean, I happily pay. Yeah, I, I I'm happy with you know what I paid for. I, oh, me too. I I I think. I think $10 for two hours of rock solid entertainment is what I pay for a movie. Mm-hmm. And I like more, I, I like games frequently more than I like movies these days. And, uh, and to be clear, I, I spent more like five or six hours. Oh, sure, sure. Cause I just wanted to like, I prefer games of that length in all honesty. It took me 60 hours to beat horizon and that game was great, but man, it took months. I don't, I can't sit down and just park my butt with a game like that. I want to, I want to have an intimate, I, I like session games. I like mm-hmm. rogue legacy and stuff like that. And, uh, when we're done recording this, I'm going to get you guys to play Drunken Bar Fight VR. Yeah, I want to try that out. Um, which was another $10 game. That, uh, is that a VR game? Yeah. Well, the great thing about Drunken VR Fight, uh, sorry, Drunken <laughs> Bar Fight is one of us, let's say me, will put the VR headset on and be in a bar. And I'm going to put custom music on and put on some Huey Lewis. And you guys <laughs> take the PlayStation controllers and you control the drunken people in the bar trying to fight me. Ah. And when you guys look at the TV in my living room, you'll see the bar from like a isometric perspective. And from my point of view in the VR headset, I'm like in the bar, like throwing stuff at you guys. I just, I, I can't wait to play it. I know it's going to be trash, but it looks really, like, I, the whole thing's supposed to be trash. I think so. But okay. That's media current. That's what we've been sucking up lately. Uh, so let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with our topic of the show. Channel awesome. Yep. Uh, what's going down with channel awesome as of late. So, uh, We'll be right back. It'll be real great. Guaranteed audio returns and episode eight's, I guess, main topic of discussion is going to be channel awesome. Uh, Neil, define for me what is channel awesome? Channel awesome was. It's still, it's still around. <laughs> it's still the website still is there. But uh, if uh, you've been on the internet and a nerd for the past ten years, I guess Give you probably take. know. Yeah, ten. You may not watch, but you probably know the face of the nostalgia critic Doug Walker and his uh, uh stable of of others like my fellow, cur- video, fellow video creators. And um, well, it's in the news recently, and the reason we're bringing it up, and I think we've complained about about this guy in the past. We have, yeah, I've cited I, Doug Walker before. I, like, I've done it more on Twitter a few times. I think we mentioned them. I think we mentioned Channel Awesome 
as recently as our previous episode of the show, yeah, probably of yeah. the, this podcast, we were talking just about so to, to, to more thoroughly define what Doug Walker does and what Channel Awesome is, uh, I want to say a decade ago, uh, maybe a bit earlier than that, when YouTube first kicked off, Doug Walker did movie reviews, like half an hour or so of like 30 minute long movie reviews where he would talk. Well, it would have been under 10 minutes at the time because early oh, YouTube. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. But he basically he would talk right to the camera, mm-hmm. show direct footage of the movie for most of the review and then just point out flaws in the movie and how much he didn't like the movie and, and get very cartoonishly worked up about it. Don, Davi duck style. Yeah. Right? He's a cartoon. Yeah. And like, this was like basically early, uh, early, early video criticism of movies on the internet and in my remember that joke on the simpsons where it's like hey you know those really annoying commercials on the radio where people talk to each other i, I invented those, those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh doug walker kind of did that to the internet yeah he wasn't the first vlogger but he was the first like i'm gonna do like reaction movie critic stuff and he uh just super annoying animated for children and you can look up the timeline for this stuff basically channel awesome yeah it was the stable of all his the people he brought on to make videos just like his like mm-hmm. he coached people make videos just like mine um and although he wasn't the head of the website he's always been the face he's the brand yeah. yes yeah and um he's, he's one of the three top pillars him, his brother, and a guy who I had to like look something. up because yeah. I don't, I don't care who you, he is. You can find great, you can find timelines of what went down with his website. But yeah, basically they they left YouTube at one point due to copyright restrictions. Because yeah, they were posting like sometimes 20, 30 minutes of a movie that they didn't make and didn't own. Uh, and they they went kind of a holdover from the wild west of the YouTube before there was copyright. Yeah, matching. before Google realized like we need to fix this. Yeah, or we're never going to be we're, we're never going to. They argued make fair money. use. <laughs> poorly and they they were wrong yeah they they went to blip started hosting all their videos on this website called blip that you might not have heard of blip was a video hosting site like a contemporary of youtube for a bit um blip folded now they're back on youtube and they film more live action skits now in lieu of just showing footage from the movies that they ripped off a dvd or whatever um so i guess the next question is what happened to channel awesome why is channel awesome in the news not in the news per se, but like, why is it on message boards? Yes. <laughs> well, put. Um, it may have trended on Twitter at one point. Maybe, um, there's probably articles being written right now. I'm sure they'll be out by the time this goes up, but, uh, basically it, it was kind of a snowball effect where a bunch of former collaborators and producers, um, just kind of like aired their grievances with the production and the, uh, the management at Channel Awesome, the uh, Doug Walker, his brother, and the other guy who owns it, who's Michael Michaud, something like that. Mich- yeah, Michaud. that sounds... Um, and they kind of put together this big uh, document that just detailed all these uh, cr- cr- allegations of just crummy things that happened as, uh, as, as creators to them, and um, mismanagement, and... Um, it's worth checking out or at least a, like getting a, a recap. So get, yeah. The, the kind of, the kind of stories we would hear are things like, Oh, we're so channel awesome would make like mini movie, like things kind of akin to what we were making at the time. Mm-hmm. Like these like backyard kind like, of vanity projects. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of vanity projects for the fans, for yeah. the fans. But you know, stories were, have been coming out of like, Oh, they didn't have like water on set or like not even just, they're not paying us things like we're filming 18 hour days and like no one's having a good time. And, to me, that's not the biggest surprise because, you know, we were making movies when we were teenagers and we remember working our hands to the bone, yeah. like, like going like 10 hours without stopping for food. And then we just collapse and get like Wendy's or something. Like, yeah. And you'd call in a favor from a friend who doesn't have a job, stuff like that. And, but <laughs> one guy drives everyone. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I'm not, that was my initial reaction. 
But it slowly occurred to me like, oh, wait a minute. These guys were older than us. They had a lot of money that was coming in. And some of these stories go far beyond like, well, that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. Like some of these, we don't want to like get too much into it, but there is like, there's also, yeah, yeah. yeah, like it, it gets worse. It gets worse. There's um, <laughs> stuff that's just, uh, you know, like they, they knew about, yeah, you know, sexual harassment and stuff like that. Basically the, the message is they did everything wrong. Yeah, right. everything wrong. And the thing is, everything you can do wrong, they did wrong. And, and like now, right now, as far as our relationship with Channel Awesome, uh, I, I know this isn't much of a story. Neil, you ran into Doug Walker once at a convention. You didn't really talk to him or anything. No, I don't. No, I, I remember seeing it. This was like must have been when he was kind of starting to get big. Sure. Um, I don't have a good story about him. Yeah. He was there. I didn't really get to talk to him. Um, I wish I could say in retrospect, like, yeah, that guy I knew all along. Yeah, but and I, I was kind of put off by him, I guess. But I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why. But, but, but like, but like, just so for like disclosure, like, yeah, that's like your only real tie to them. I've worked with James Rolfe a little bit on my documentary and Pat Contry, and they, you know, the angry video game nerd and Pat the NES punk, and they know Doug and have worked with Doug. And They're some adjacent. Kabe- yeah. Yeah. So like, that's kind of. It though, like Ryan, I, I assume you're you, you didn't like speak at Doug Walker's wedding or something, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, so I, I guess uh, what I want to get into is, did any of us ever really listen to their stuff? I, I bring up Ryan because I think you and I did for a while. I well, yes, I never went, I never actively went out of my way to channelawesome.com, but there was a time around like 2012, 2013 when I watched a bunch of Doug Walker's reviews. Yeah. They're an easy thing to put on in the background if you're doing work or sitting on your computer. I just watched them on YouTube, though, which means which meant I probably watched someone who just stole his stuff. Yeah. Uh, Were you actually watching or just listening? Usually just listening. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and my argument of even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> there are reviews in which Doug Walker brought up some really some good points. So I'm like, oh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, I'll also... Give credit where credit's due. Like when this dirtbag keeps saying that Robin Williams is the worst part of his childhood, and the second the ma- the second the man dies, he holds this memoriam nonsense. Yeah, that, of he defined my child. Yeah. I've never seen a human being criticize Robin Williams more, and then like a dog <laughs> with his tail between his legs comes back and starts going on about what a what a hero he yeah, was. That was basically when I stopped. I around the same time as you, Ryan. I was working. Maybe maybe a little earlier, I was working at an office job that I didn't like, and I would frequently be the only one in the office in my cubicle, and I would just put on nostalgia critic videos and just listen to them in the background. I just think of an old movie like, oh, they have the Care Bears movie. He did that. Okay, let's listen to twenty minutes of Doug Walker. I don't remember Rockadoodle. Help me out. Yeah, he was good at that. He was yeah. good at that. That's that was reason for his that. Place. That was his place before like geek culture podcasting really blew up. We've definitely talked about channel awesome either on this podcast or amongst ourselves. I usually am complaining. Like I don't understand what people see in this stuff because I, you know, I I've always, still had defenders. Well, as, yeah. it, it really did up until their recently. production value yeah. has always been very bad. And that's the thing that always like drove me nuts. Like now, now a no, personal weakness of mine. And this is a problem of mine is, you know, I, you know, I went to school to make video. I take, a lot of pride in the stuff I make. I always try to make it look as professional as possible and as good as possible. And obviously our, not all of our stuff looks great. We always have to cut some corners. We're just three bozos typically. Um, Sometimes so, a fourth, but, but rarely. The thing, I always have had this chip in my shoulder with stuff that channel awesome did and that I, I think it never got beyond like those early days of 
backyard cardboard box movie making on YouTube. Like, I don't think it ever got better than that. Like, cameras still weren't white balanced properly. And the Nostalgia Critic video stuff I saw like two years ago, like, I didn't understand where the money was going. And when this stuff all blew up recently, the change the channel hashtag, I think it was. Yeah. I remember people going, oh, the, the, the whole fervor is they're unprofessional and they treat people poorly. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. I've got some <laughs> magic beans I could sell you too. <laughs> like, yeah, but uh, it definitely goes deeper than that, apparently. And I, the more I've read up on it, you know, the more awful some of this sounds. And um, it seems like a bit of a sinking ship. A bit. Well, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the other half of the story is yeah. um, they had like what? Like, I feel like they had dozens of creators who left sure. the, the banner. Um, if you what did at, the banner even offer them? Like that's what? the that's the story, right? Yeah, that's what the, being that's on channel thing. awesome. What did it even give you? Like that's the that's the weird obsolete thing about it was like why was there a website you go to where video content is hosted? Yeah, it, it's a very um, yeah, it's like a it just feels like something that doesn't make sense anymore, and um, I think that's kind of why this happened. Why the change the channel thing happened? Well, it's a it's a contributing thing. I think a lot of the creators who've left just kind of like said like, yeah, there's no reason for me to be on this website. I don't even have like, there's nothing holding me back basically. And let's, let's address some other, I think very relevant points. Number one, Channel Awesome didn't host videos. They just embedded them. Yeah. So they're, they had, they had Blip or YouTube host yep. them. Yeah. Or maybe Vimy. I'm pretty sure it says YouTube, but yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, and, but what I consider to be, uh, an enormous mistake. And it's not just because of the means. I don't want to get all Marshall McLuhan here, but uh, they asked their contributors, their artists, they didn't want them to use Patreon or talk about Patreon or like pitch their own Patreons, which to me is ridiculous. I think their management thought it was like decentralizing their income or whatever. And they wanted, it, which, yeah, it is ridiculous. I completely agree. Huge mistake on their part. Apparently, like a lot of the language that's out there there's like this like 60 70 page google doc that compiles all the i don't want to call it gossip anecdotes grievances test, grievances yeah. um a grievances. lot of people are basically saying that management at channel awesome was very technophobic <laughs> and yeah. they were very like anti-progressive when it came to new distribution methods like twitter using twitter don't use twitter don't use patreon don't use you know anything that would allow you to connect your audience through any funnel that isn't channelawesome.com i think it was channel awesome if they didn't understand yeah they i don't i think they honestly didn't understand it and they couldn't yeah like exactly they were afraid of anything they didn't directly control and as the which days, I get, yeah I, I i get like there's always that like do i really need to use snapchat no i don't like you you, you do have to like make that call sometime. Yeah, I don't have a Tumblr. I mean, I, I, I guess I have a Tumblr account, but I've used it like twice. Right, yeah. Like, Tumblr recently know. reminded me that I... Yeah, By the way, Tumblr's not new anymore. Vicious 516's, your account turned six years old. Like, oh, I bet you sent me one of these when it turned five. <laughs> but I don't know. We, I mean, we the three of us have had conversations about our disapproval of Channel Awesome before, but now we're podcasting about it. Well, the uh, other thing is I think a lot of people have realized like this isn't worth watching anymore like these they haven't evolved and you're talking about the actual videos. the actual content like the yeah. actual style of review and now like i mean again like there's a ton of good creators on the website sure but like specifically nostalgia critics brand it just feels quaint 
or not even quaint, quaint's too antiquated. Word. It feels antiquated in a world where you have like red light or media and um, half in the bag and half, all that stuff. half in the bag project. Yeah. And I'm, uh, or, or like, um, criticism podcasts or like anything yeah, or every frame of painting, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even Lindsay, uh, was it Lindsay Ellis? Lindsay Ellis, yep. who, le- who left Nostalgia Critic. I mean, it, it just again, does the same thing, but much better, much now, better. You know? her, her bright review, which was long. I listened to the whole thing on a car ride a couple weeks ago and I loved it. And I never once cared for the stuff she did went at channel awesome and apparently she didn't have a lot of input on the stuff she made at channel awesome yeah uh, i think people just they just kind of collectively realized like we can do so much better now we don't need this there's no this real centralized this isn't a hill you need to die help. on you know? yeah, it's like a weird it's almost i'm not, I, i'm gonna throw a word out here and give me a minute i, I think it's almost like a cult mentality uh, at channel awesome where people think oh i need i need the brand i need to be associated with this channel awesome moniker with with, with that guy with the glasses like i need that or i'm nothing maybe at and one they, point that's what that's what yeah. i think fell i think that's what collapsed was people went wait a goddamn minute i can put up people like on, me <laughs> yeah like i'm you know i'm as yeah there's there's people on that website who are now more noteworthy than anyone ever was on that website. And they just went to YouTube and Twitter and Patreon. Like mm-hmm. the, this centralized idea of like a website offering you like, this is where the real movie critics are, which is still a thing on YouTube. Sometimes there are channels that There's kind of cultivation. Yeah. Yeah. They cultivate or yeah. And I, I like, I get emails all the time from Join these weird sect. Yeah. These like kind of like phony companies where they say like, Hey, we like, and then like a copy and paste one of my video names or something. Yep. And we think you would be good. You know, in our family, you know, like we'd love to offer you a bad deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But, but, but there is a place for cultivation in like, um, what's the word when like you like um, go through the opposite of an algorithm when like someone actually like handpicks and curation, like, curation. Thank you, curation. But what what kind of curation was being done at Channel Awesome? Well, no, like, it was it was a banner. It was a it was a banner which does still exist in some forms on YouTube. I don't like. Um, but YouTube does not encourage it very much. Remember how you could you used to be able to like link to another channel on your on yeah. Your, well, you abuse that all the time. Yeah, I made something new. I'd go, hey Neil, would you mind letting your yeah. subscribers know I made? But this specifically, new- <laughs> like you could have a linked channel. Like here's a sister channel or something, and you yeah. can still do that. They're trying but, uh, to dilute that now. Yeah. But yeah, YouTube isn't big on that. They yeah. they don't have like the equivalent of a um of uh, having your channel be part of a group. Yeah. And having them all be linked because that's just not how people watch videos. They just click on something from so, the sidebar. So what do you guys think is in the future for Channel Awesome? Like if their forums are down, people are jumping ship, they're losing subscribers and content creators. Like do they rebrand? Like Doug Walker can't take the character, the nostalgia critic with him. He doesn't own it. Yeah, they'll probably stay together and continue making stuff. But I think what this has done is kind of forced them to do what they should have done anyway, which is close that website and just make stuff for YouTube and follow the rules. You know, yeah, I, I don't agree. know if that's what that they is, will do, but that seems rules, like it's their like only copyright, option. Now, you mean yeah. copyright law, basically? Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, make an effort. And I wanted to talk because I routinely flout copyright law, but I also don't defend it. <laughs> yeah, you don't make impassioned speeches towards the camera where you yeah. make up laws that don't exist. No, at most I'll say like, "Come on, have some fun." You know? Yeah, I don't care about YouTube. Makes me think of stinky socks. I'm your Pokemon video. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was like, that was, I remember that was like a week of you being really frustrated to try to get that Pokemon video. Up. I just wanted to put it up somewhere so people could laugh and watch it. But I also <laughs> don't think that I then? should be allowed to, I think if, if, if someone wants to give me a venue and they don't care and they, they recognize that it's unlikely that a lawsuit's going to happen. Like, that's great. I, I do like, I do miss that wild west part of YouTube where sure. you could use music 
you could use songs because it was just a video hosting. It was we were, like we were photo so scared yeah. using like the Ren and Stimpy music on the old new kid stuff. Like we were like, oh, is this going to get flagged? What is that going to mean? And you have a three strikes and then you're out. You know? Yeah, like like and it, there, I, there, we were we were always tempered. Like we always had ex, like we were always ready to be slapped on the wrist because we knew we were wrong. But to go out and pretend that it was righteous to just post other people's work unedited like i don't know that, yeah like doug walker is is very fond of the term fair use and i am too because yeah some of the things that i do are fair use some of the things that we do are fair as use. as a documentarian i am absolutely a fan of fair use i need it yeah <laughs> but like but like i don't know there, there's a certain amount of uh google just trying to avoid getting sued in that situation you know that's why google takes videos down because it's not a public entity it's a private entity and yeah you know Okay, so enough on that. Yeah, that guy sucks. All right, moving on. (laughs) All right, Ryan, we're going to take a quick break, but let's have a tease. What is your quiz going to be on? Ryan's hosting a quiz. The 1996 Academy Awards. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Not even the 10-year anniversary. Nope. All right. All right, 20. You're all going to learn how unmemorable it was. (laughs) I can't wait. It'll be real great. And that was It'll Be Real Great by the Guaranteed Audio Band. Next up, we got Ryan Murphy as our quiz master. That's right. Uh, I haven't done a quiz in a while. I think my last one was a Sonic quiz. And I was just feeling really passionate about the 1996 Academy Awards. We all were, I think. The Oscars. The Oscars. <laughs> were we nine years old at that time? 96? 96. I would have been I, turned yeah. 10. Yeah. Between turned 9 10, to 10. But we were born in 86, and it happens earlier in the years. Correct. Yeah. So I would have been nine. That is yeah. correct. I have a multiple choice quiz uh, of questions regarding the 1996 Academy Awards. I There are five answers to each question. One of them is right. I'm going to ask Neil some questions. Neil, then Kevin. Neil, Kevin will go back and forth, and we're going to start with Neil. All right. And mm-hmm. let's open with this film, best remembered for winning the 1996 Academy Award for Best Picture of the Year, won the 1996 Academy Award for Best Picture. Was it The Prince of Tides, starring Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte? Gorillas in the Mist, starring Sigourney Weaver as Dr. Diane Fossey? Leaving Las Vegas, starring Sir Nicolas Cage? The Accidental Tourist, starring William Hurt? Or Braveheart, starring the meaningless, racist, piece of shit, pseudo-artist Mel Gibson? What was the second option? Uh, Gorillas in the Mist. No, okay, what was the third? Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, It's probably not that. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll just say Braveheart. You're right. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, you are correct. Many of the other films were not nominated for anything at the 1996 Academy Awards. Some did come out that year, and some uh, didn't. <laughs> well, that's one point for me. <laughs> Kevin. Yes? This actor was not nominated for an Academy Award during the 1996 Academy Awards. Jesus. Okay. Was it Jack Palance in City Slickers? Richard Dreyfus in Mr. Holland's Opus. Anthony Hopkins as Nixon in Oliver Stone's Richard Nixon. Sean Penn in Dead Man Walking as Matthew Poncelet, an actor whom I've honestly never heard of named Massimo Troisi, who apparently played a character called Mario Ruopopolo in Il Postino. Okay, so who didn't get nominated who this year? Who did not? I'm going to go with Anthony Hopkins didn't get nominated that year. Oh, I'm afraid it was Jack Palace and City Slickers. Oh, okay, okay. And Neil, yeah. think. 
he can't get a posthumous award for City Slickers if he never made City Slickers 2, The Search for, for Curly's, Curly's Gold. Gold. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> so just uh, still one to zero, right? Correct. Okay. This item was given in the gift basket for members of the audience of the 1996 <laughs> Academy Awards. This is an Oscar statue. One of these was. Was it a disc with 100 free hours of AOL online? Uh, a prepaid cellular telephone? A book regarding the tragedy of TWA Flight 800? A compact disc including music by the recording artist Will Smith? Or a Sega Genesis with a copy of Cool Spot, the Seven Up video game. Oh my God! There's like two or three that are really possible. Wait, is this a which what, of these was, was included? Okay, if four out of five of these, those would be a yeah, goddamn hell of a gift basket. Um, I I'm just gonna go with the Will Smith CD. I'm gonna give you the point because there were no gift baskets that year. They're all made up. <laughs> well, I should, none uh, of the answers matter. Okay. <laughs> but Kevin, tragically, yours will not be so easy. Yeah. Kevin. <laughs> This actress, who won the Academy Award for Best Actress, won Best Actress in the 1996 <laughs> Academy Awards. Was it The Accused, starring Jodie Foster? Yeah. Dead Man Walking, starring Susan Sarandon? Nell, starring Jodie Foster? Uma Thurman in Gattaca? Or Silence of the Lambs, starring Jodie Foster? Well, that definitely was a 96. Silence of the Lambs. Um, for the sake of making the podcast go quicker, I'm going to say Nell because Liam Neeson's in it. It was Dead Man Walking starring Susan Sarandon. I should have gone I just that. really yeah. found it funny to keep citing Jodie Foster. Maybe it was... <laughs> also, Dead Man Walking. What the hell is that about? I never saw it, actually. I yeah. haven't seen it. But it was at the 1996 Academy Awards. Hmm. Neil, this may be it's difficult. It's actually... It's a zombie movie. Is it... Re- no. no it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of my boyfriend's back. All right. <laughs> All right. This might be phonetically difficult for me to do, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> this foreign language film, yeah, yeah, right, was released in 1995 and was therefore able to be nominated for the category of Best Foreign Language Film during the 1996 Academy Awards. Was it Death on the Job by Vince DiPierso, The Matchstick and the Maker by Dominic DeCoco, The Star Maker by... Giuseppe Tornante, Woodworker on the Steeps of Ai. Wood, woodworker on the <laughs> Steeps of Ai by, according to the Office of the Presidential Ch- Chancellery, Otto Messinger and Pele the Conqueror, starring Max von Sydrow. Uh, how about the first option? Whatever that the was. The first one was Death on the Job by Vince DePierso. Yeah, I'm just going to go with that. Well, that actually did one, but not... At the 1996 Man, Academy Awards, in one another one, um, the Matchstick and the Maker uh, is a movie that I made up for this test, okay. and Dominic DeCoco is a, uh, a fictional character. He's one of the two fake Italian names at the end of Inglorious Bastards. Oh. Woodworker on the Steeps of IE is also made up by me, and Otto Messinger worked for the Third Reich for Hitler. <laughs> um, hmm. And although Pele the Conqueror uh, was a real movie, it lost. Although it was starring Max von Sydrow, probably the only actor whose name we Sidow, recognized. Right? Sidow. Sidow. Yeah, yeah. Sidow. From Bill and Ted, right? Isn't Correct. He? Yes. In other real no. movies. No. <laughs> what? I think was he that's... in Bill and Ted? I don't know. He's, he's not death. <laughs> okay. Good luck in editing. <laughs> What, what was the correct answer? Oh, who fucking cares? It's the Star Maker. <laughs> okay. The Star Maker by Giuseppe Tornante. 
Good for him. Well done. Kevin. Yes. Which scene from the Ron Howard film Apollo 13, mm-hmm. which was nominated for Best Picture during mm-hmm. the 1996 Academy Awards, is a watchable movie. Does Ryan Murphy remember best when he was homesick one day of his <laughs> elementary school career and ended up watching this movie like three or four times in a row? Hint. There is no meaningful way in which either of you could possibly deduce the correct answer for this question. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The part where Ron Howard does a cute thing where one of the astronauts' elderly mothers doesn't know who Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong are. The part where Gary Sinise's character, who played the astronaut Ken Mattingly, is forced to reveal to his crewmates that he's developed the measles. The part where Kathleen Quinlan's character, Marilyn Gertrand Lovell, which is Tom Hanks' character's wife, hides her stress and anxiety about her husband going out into outer space in private, as she's worried about him going into outer space. The part where Tom Hanks' character, Jim Lovell, tells his son about the vacuum of space, and no matter how hard he tries, no matter how hard he fights against the meaninglessness of the void, he and all of his crewmen might get killed in space. B. Ooh, I'm sorry. It's not <laughs> no, Gary Sinise getting measles. <laughs> that was my Neil, favorite part take of it away? I, I don't get the point, though. That's not how the <laughs> rules work. I'm going to... I was going to guess the measles one, though. because just because No, no, no. Just because you were sick. And I thought maybe... Uh, yeah, that was, my that was a red herring. No, um... Uh, I'm gonna say the last one because because yeah, the, the last one. Yeah, uh, the last one doesn't happen in the movie. He doesn't. <laughs> I made that up. Tom Hanks does not sit his boy down and go, "Daddy could fucking die." It's space is a night. He doesn't turn into Doctor Bones. You can't outswim it's space. This motherfucker can't walk on the moon. He wants to go on the moon. He's an yeah, astronaut yeah. to go to the moon. He yeah. never does it. He's like, "That's the moon," and that's I it. I can see how you'd relate. All right. And Neil, (laughs) I got a little tired of the 1996 Academy Awards, so our final question is going to be, Ryan Murphy's favorite episode of Mad Men has little to nothing to do with the 1996 Academy Awards, but I thought it would be fun to mix things up a little. Is it Christmas comes but once a year, during which Sterling Cooper Draper Price needs to handle a creepy tobacco mogul? Uh, Lee Garner Jr., who forces himself into and or onto, meow, the Christmas party of the agency. Close the door, have a seat. Sterling Cooper and friends decide to destroy the previous agency bought up by Putnam, Powell, and Lowe and form their new agency as the phoenix rises from the grave of Don Draper's terrible marriage. The Chrysanthemum and the Sword, during which Pete Campbell is greedy, Don Draper engages in a clever, paper-thin intrigue, and Burt Cooper's eccentricities do not outweigh Roger's super-duper racism. Season 6, Episode 8, The Crash, in which Dr. Hex, not his real name, gives everybody basically PCP, and they just lose their minds. I forgot about that episode. (laughs) And the final, Season 7, Episode 4, Time and Life, in which Pete Campbell famously enunciates, and I often misquote, so I wrote it down, the king ordered it. I I fully believe that last one is your favorite scene, but favorite episode. Mm -hmm. It's got to be C. We'll see the PCP one. Uh, D. Three, the chrysanthemum and the sword about the Japanese is three. Yeah, yeah. Four is everybody trips balls. Yeah. That's the obvious answer, because that was a fantastic episode, so I'm going to go with that. Four, everybody trips? Yeah. 
I love that episode, but no. Kevin, care to take it away? It's the it's C, right? The third one? Two, three. Chrysanthemum and the Sword with the Japanese? Yeah. Also, no. Really? No, it's the Lee Garner one, isn't it? No. <laughs> what? Running. All right, well, what is we it? Don't... Close the door, have a seat. When Sterling new... Cooper make their yeah. own agency. Something fun and exciting finally happens in a show that was feeling very sad and drab. Well, that's Much the like the, the 1996 Academy Awards. Awards. Hosted and gentlemen, by... Billy Crystal. Hosted by Billy Crystal, that Good is correct. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> At the 1996 Academy Awards, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the quiz. Thank you for listening. I think I won. I have two points and you had zero, right? Good on you. <laughs> great. It'll be real great. All right, we're back with questions from our patrons. The only way you can get a question on our podcast is if you back us at guaranteedvideo.com. Literally any backing for our video projects will let you ask questions. We haven't even charged... I think in like three months. It's been a while. It's been a long oh, time, maybe yeah. longer. We, yeah, we only charge when we make a movie. But so just hop on there. You know, we're not, we're not going to break the bank. <laughs> yeah, we're never even going to ask for money. So anyway, now this uh, this segment is special in that we forgot to ask yesterday. So uh, we These are uh, coming in hot. Yeah, we're coming in hot. We made so this post like, an, like we made this post two hours ago, and it looks like we got a bunch of questions that we have not uh, read yet. So all right, Neil. Riley Johnson asks, what was your first starter Pokemon? My first starter Pokemon. Too slow, Ryan. What was your first starter Pokemon? Charmander. Charmander? I think I was Charmander too, yeah. Oh, I was Bulbasaur. You guys are bullies. (laughs) Fire Pokemon. I was definitely a Bulbasaur guy. Um, Were you Pokemon red or blue or yellow? uh, I had red. My brother had blue, so we could trade with each other. Yeah. Was I, great, think I think I might have been red. The too. first time I played it, I was probably borrowing it off of you. I forgot. I borrowed it off of somebody for like a night. No, Mikey Moss. Let me borrow oh, it. Cool. I played for a little bit. I loved it. And I went and got Pokemon yellow. So I got Pikachu with mm-hmm. yellow. But before that, I was just, oh, Bubble Store is the best. Uh, I played it on an emulator. I loved my old emulator. I loved committing that crime. <laughs> we got Pika Bread here asking, <laughs> Pokemon theme again. Neil, you're coming up on the 10th anniversary of View Monster in July. What are your thoughts on the album a decade later? Uh, View Monster was fun to make, and I didn't make a full-length album for pretty much eight years afterwards. Um, so I kind of resent it just because it was a uh, my most recent album was just getting really old, getting really long in the tooth, and uh, I just felt embarrassed for a long time. Not not because of the content of the album, but just because it had been so long since I you know. I, you know, I was starting to worry, like, is this my last real album? So, um, I view monster makes me feel a little sad for that reason. I never thought about that way. Yeah. I like view monster a lot. I think it's fun. Thank you. Michael Kickinrad Corliss asks a deranged billionaire has forced you each to complete a quest. If you refuse, you will die. Your request. You each have to put on a Spider-Man turn off the dark style Broadway adaptation. Which pre-existing property do you reinterpret? Which popular recording artist do you get to do the music? Any fun set pieces? This is a big question. Yeah. We got to use our noodles here. All right. right, I'll go first. I'll say that I was given that amount of money and I had to make like some big show stopper. Mm -hmm. Um, My first instinct is always Darkman. (laughs) Darkman would be great. Darkman would make an awesome play. I would probably, uh, I don't maybe just because they're on my mind, but I think it'd be kind of funny to get like Eurythmics or something. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's what I would do. And as far as the set pieces, I am picturing whoever's playing Darkman 
hooked up to some rope mechanism that's on the ceiling to represent the helicopter chase scene yeah. and a bunch of like cardboard cutouts of cars like running around like people holding them up and running around left to right on the stage as the dark man actors singing and swinging around through everything <laughs> um but that's my answer <laughs> Nice. Now that I've bought you guys time for a real answer. <laughs> Neil got anything? Are you still thinking? I got some. <laughs> you go ahead. Then. Uh, well, what they said, if you refuse, you will die. He's a deranged billionaire. I'll so, just die. The, so <laughs> money's not a question. Like it, you're almost being asked to spend money that like you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I would hire Lin-Manuel Miranda to uh, not compose the music. He would star in it and he'd hate it. Um, I'm writing the music for, and I thought, what would be the most mechanically and technically difficult thing to do? I thought animatronics would be very expensive and time-consuming, so I want lots and lots. What what intellectual property has the most difficult, cumbersome, not-going-to-work-right animatronics? And I went, Gremlins. I want a stage production of Gremlins where Lin-Manuel Miranda plays like a 17-year-old boy who uh, gets a mogwai. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a nightmare. Nothing's going to work right with a lot of like scenes in the rain to make the audience uncomfortable and make things not work. It's going to be this the worst shit show. Good answer. I'm, I'm going to riff on that a little bit. I'm coming up with something even harder to pull off. Uh, mine is going to be a Broadway multiple films. It's going to be the films of Roland Emmerich. All of them. <laughs> Except, I mean, all of the, uh, he's made a lot of movies, but all the disaster films of Roland Emmerich. So we're going from uh, Godzilla and um, Independence Day, 2012, Mm. Day After Tomorrow. This is good. I like this. Uh, Just get all of them in there. I think Um, you got this. Yeah. Uh, It'll be the most elaborate musical ever made. And it will be a musical. And the music will be the music of Metallica. That was a long answer, but it was a long question. Yeah. Okay. So, Bayana asks, gotta think fast for all three of you. What's the scariest animal you can think of, or, if that's boring, a horror movie villain that you could take on in a fight? Okay, so, I could, I've I've had this argument with my friends before, years ago in college. I think I could take on a dog. (laughs) There's a good amount of dogs I think I could take. That's the, that's the scariest animal, though. I'm not gonna take out a bear or like a shark. Like what? I mean, people say sharks are easier to thwart off than you'd think, but I'm not testing that. Fuck mm, that. Yeah, no. Fuck that. Uh, bat. Bat. Because <laughs> they're scary, but not hard to defeat. <laughs> okay, that's a smart answer. <laughs> I do. I le- I have le- had a legitimate nightmares about coyotes because I could take on one coyote, but coyotes are pack animals. Taking on one coyote is one thing, but if you are surrounded by four or five, that's a very scary proposition. And they have a vested interest to not get fucking murdered. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, they will develop Lone themselves. coyotes, as we've seen, are very prone to blowing themselves up with dynamite. Oh. Uh, Alex Johnson asks us, which option seems the least terrible for guaranteed videos member lineup? A, Kevin is replaced by comedian Kevin James. B, Ryan is replaced by director-writer Ryan Murphy. C, Neil is replaced by some random schmo who happens to also be named Neil Cicerega. <laughs> But who has no experience in film. Yeah. What's the least terrible option? I think, well, what's the worst oh, option? Oh, ditch me. That guy just pumps it out. I mean, yeah. Brian Murphy Ryan could Murphy, open some doors for us. He fucking delivers. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, I was going to go 
the other way and like say like kind of like work our way up. But you're right. I think no offense, but yeah, like I'd I like to have a lot of money between like, Scream Queens <laughs> sure. and Nip Tuck and Glee and American Horror Story with its goods and its bads. An American Crime Story. All right, and our last question is from Joe Shuttle. Joe Shuttle asks if a movie was made about our lives, who would we cast as ourselves? Anyone alive, dead, or fictitious? I think we should do it for one another. Ooh. Um, I would cast for Neil. I think the easy one's Crispin Glover. I think Crispin Glover circa 1984 is probably a good yeah. Neil Cicerega. He'd bring a certain intensity to my life that's not really there. <laughs> yeah, but he'd, he'd figure out you and then he'd blow it up in a way. I was actually, yeah, when we, yeah, I was going to, if we were going to do this for ourselves, I was going to say Crispin Glover. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Um, for Ryan, hmm, man. Uh, Ryan's a hard one. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, didn't know who I'd get for myself. I always thought, I mean, I guess it'd be Dan Castellaneta then because I would, I was going to say that Jafar was always kind of my, my like cartoonish, like anachronism of Ryan. Um, but I don't know. Dan Castellaneta looks nothing like you. No, he doesn't. <laughs> My, I won't lie. My first thought about this was uh, the delightful, you know, reaction image. The, the episode of Thirty Rock with Steve Buscemi is a de- detective undercover yeah. of just, you know, hello, fellow kids, and they go, yeah. "What?" and just cut back of. <laughs> All Steve right, Ryan, Bush- I'm gonna, I'm gonna flatter you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin, Ooh, I think he oh, really, yeah, damn, he's really a really good step one. into That's the role. A, <laughs> it's a really good one. Uh, the trick is like, are we? I, we're all trying to pick competent actors, right? Like, yeah, Kevin, yeah. I was actually gonna pick Zachary Quinto. Hmm. I think he's yeah. He's I, a good actor. I can't see it, but I, I he could probably pull it off because he's good. It'd be. Um, I don't know if I can pick one for me. Like I, I'm like racing. Rodney through. Dangerfield. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield for me. But Rodney I'm, Dangerfield trying to no, play a Rodney Dangerfield. No, you know, trying to play like someone who isn't him. Can you imagine that? What? If, okay, he can't. He'd just be Rodney Dangerfield. Like, it's the year 2004, and like, oh, I just got my license. Can you imagine like, like playing Nixon or friends. something? Like, but all the other actors are 14 years old. He just didn't. I would love it if Liam Neeson played me. Um, yeah, that would be cool. That'd but, be funny. Uh, but um, trying to I, make this movie. Yeah, that, I'm just thinking through like all my favorite actors. I mean, I think it's too easy to say any of the Ghostbusters playing me, including Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Um, if I had a cast- I would love it if Ernie Hudson played me in a movie, actually. I really like Ernie <laughs> Guys. It's okay. Like, I've had friends say Matt Smith, Charlie Sheen, and Ryan. Uh, what the fuck? My buddy Steve Bailey always joked that Ryan should be played by. Um, it's driving me nuts. This is this is going to be an awful segment to edit. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Dorf? No. That'd be fun. It was better than that. Be Brad Dor- oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool to see how he's going <laughs> to. That guy's. Maybe you don't want that motherfucker getting in your head. I mean, he he's serious. <laughs> what if the, maybe the question should just be if New Kids on the Rock, the movie got made, like the Pee Wee Herman movie got made? <laughs> oh, okay. So who's the the, uh, yeah. the James Brolin and Morgan Fairchild? <laughs> yeah. So, so Neil, it's if it's made today, it's Matt Smith, right? <laughs> John Ham. <laughs> we all want John Ham. Three John Ham. Yes. yes. Okay. Green Green John. Screen. John like, Ham in a. Just, let's just do the cast of Madden. <laughs> oh. It'll just be John. Oh, Hamm. Do you have to be Pete? Uh, no, yeah, have might to be, be Pete. Pete. The king ordered it. Well, I think that ends the Q and A segment. Uh, thanks everyone for writing in. I know those were kind of hot. You know, last second <laughs> requests. You guys are great. Yeah, you did well. You did well. Um, well, I think that's all we have for this episode of Guaranteed Audio. 
Uh, we really wanted to talk about a little show called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. Which uh, is available now. Is it on Amazon, on Amazon Prime? Prime. Uh, we didn't get to work it in. Uh, we'll do it as soon as possible. I we love that We have a lot show. of things to say about but, yeah, Beyond if you, Belief. If you have Amazon Prime streaming, just go on there. Watch either watch an episode of Beyond Belief or Factor Fiction. Or the last five minutes. Or the last five <laughs> minutes starting at yeah, like the 40 minute mark because they kind of recap it. But watch one of the Jonathan Frakes, uh, season two and onward. Yeah. Best known for gargoyles, if you will. Mm. I love how we spent a good amount of time in this episode tearing apart Channel Awesome. And then we just kind of like tinkered off into like, oh, let's talk about who would play us in a movie. Oh, and by the way, watch Beyond Belief. Yeah. <laughs> this 20-year-old terrible show. <laughs> uh, God, it's great, though. If you like uh, Rescue 911 or... Uh, Cautionary Tales of Swords. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's the real show? Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries, by the way, is also on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, Good show. Slightly more enjoy- Slightly better made. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. All right, we got to say this in the next episode. All right, everyone. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Join us for more stories next time on Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. <laughs>